Hi, I'm Oakley Jennings Fast. And I'm Sarah Fuentes. Welcome to What the Hell Do I Do With This? This is the podcast about circular economy, the life cycle of stuff, and where you fit into it. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Oakley. How are you? I'm great. So I got a question for you. Shoot. When you were a little kid, did you ever get a nine volt battery and stick your tongue on it to see if it electrifies you or if you get any energy current? (laughs) No, you know what? No, I didn't do that. But I did make the circuits with like the potato with my mom. But no, I didn't ever stick my tongue on a battery. (laughs) Have you? Of course. (laughs) The reason why I ask is because today we're going to be talking about universal waste. And batteries are considered universal waste. And 9-volt batteries are definitely a problem in collection. But you got to tell the story first. What was it like (laughs) when you stuck your tongue on the battery? It was pretty stimulating. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because as a kid, I was a little wild child. And I would say I'm still a wild child, but a little bit more tame. And it was at Pomeroy in science class with Mr. Ash. And, you know, he was talking to us about these batteries. And we were doing some sort of activity. I don't remember And he's like warning us not to do these things. And of course, we're all like, oh, we're going to do all those things that Mr. Ash is telling us not to do. It just gave you a little like bolt of energy on your tongue. That's all you have to do is stick your tongue on it. Like you don't need to do anything else. Really? Okay. We should tell our listeners not to do this, but I feel like a lot of them will be maybe like grade school children. But we can at least say that we told you not to do it. So we talk about this in the waste and recycling industry, and especially when we're setting up companies to get ISO certified about how to categorize batteries. And what is what is ISO certification? Individual Standard Organization. That's the, what ISO stands for. And ISO certification is a certification that companies can get. And there's many different types of certifications. The one that Smart Waste works on is the environmental standards one which is 1,401. So yes, it basically has all these standards that you want to uphold as a corporation. In essence, it's basically saying that you can regulate yourself because you are going through all these extreme, and they're extremes, they're really extreme standards. So you're proving not only to your company, to the local city, to the local county, and as well as to the state, It's not a requirement, but it's more of an internal company that maybe they want to promote to their other customers. Hey, we have this 9001 ISO, and that means that basically we have a really strict process and quality controls there. And That's really cool. I mean, yeah, that to me, I get why that's so impressive. Because there are so many laws around waste and regulation and sustainability. And the fact that you can regulate yourself is like a big deal. That's awesome. That's really cool. Okay, so today on the episode, we are going to cover specifically batteries, light bulbs, and paint. And as you were mentioning, we're going to start with batteries. So what do we do with batteries? And what are the different categories of batteries? Because I recently learned this. Not all batteries are made alike especially in the eyes of the waste industry. 
Yes. So first and foremost, let's just talk about the batteries and what you do as a consumer or at home, which is you do not want to throw it in with your regular recycling or your regular landfill waste or your compost. Um, you want to separate it. And as we mentioned about these nine volt batteries, these nine volt batteries have exposed conductive metal. Okay. So that's why when you put your tongue on it, it gives you a little jolt. Also why you shouldn't throw it in the garbage. Yes. And so if you were to throw it in the garbage, let's just say the recycling and it got mixed in the recycling bin and there's also aluminum cans. And as we talked about in a previous episode, we have single stream recycling and a single stream recycling. There's also cardboard co-mingled in it. If we by chance were to get a spark from that exposed part from the metal can, Mm -hmm. we potentially could catch a trash bin on fire. Now, has this happened? Has it? Yes. It has? Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. And then they're also combustible, right? Correct. So that means that if they're heated to too high of a temperature, they just explode. It could. Definitely could. And we hear this a lot with lithium ion batteries, right? The heat. You know, lithium ion batteries are highly conductive and as well as flammable. So, you know, we want to separate them with like items. So what we do with batteries is first and foremost, we want to make sure that the exposed metal is taped off. It could be any kind of tape. It could be, you know, regular scotch tape. It doesn't have to be any fancy tape. Oh, oh, I, I had no idea. Only for nine volt batteries and lithium ion batteries. Alkaline batteries and the little circle mercury batteries, you don't need to do that. This will definitely go onto our Instagram page because this is a very visual thing. So yes. everybody go to at WTH, do I do this on Instagram and we will have visuals for you. Um, so what are the different categories of batteries that you just talked about? So we have category two batteries, category three batteries, and category four batteries. Yes. So category two batteries are the alkaline batteries. Category three batteries are the mercury base batteries. And then the category four batteries are the lithium ion batteries. And is there a difference between what you do with them as a consumer based on those categories? Also, what happened to number one? Like did some, <laughs> there's other categories of batteries too. There's more, like, oh, okay. there's, there's a lot of type of cells, okay. right? Yeah, so the most important thing is to make sure that you separate them out and any uh, metal that's conductive and that's exposed in the uh, volt batteries or the lithium ion batteries is to make sure that you tape them. It may seem a little excessive, but it is important because we do live in California and it gets hot here. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. And I know that some waste pickup will allow you to put them in a separate plastic bag on top of your waste bin and pick them up, but that's not always the case. So everybody has to really do their own research on what your local waste management will do. Or if maybe you can bring them somewhere. You know what? I know that Best Buy has electronics recycling and I believe they have battery recycling as well. Do you have any other recommendations for how people find where they can recycle their batteries? Yeah. So you just mentioned one, which is like your uh, local hauler. So some counties have household hazardous waste programs where you can uh, bring those batteries in. Also, Target has a place in their customer service where you can bring in batteries as well as Home Depot. Really? And um, Lowe's. 
I believe. Oh. Um, but I know that Target, they do have great um, for light bulbs and lamps and I think even toner cartridges. But I would I would fact check that one. <laughs> Wow, I had no idea. Okay, I guess call your local Target or go online and see if they take those things. Um, I think the reason people don't know what to do with these things is because it's not as simple as just throwing it in the garbage or throwing it in the recycle. Yeah. Have people really tried to compost batteries? That, like... I don't. I mean, it's kind of silly to think that we're gonna compost zinc and mercury and cadmium. <laughs> <laughs> like no. I mean, I just want to like share real quick the different types of material that's in these batteries from zinc to magnesium to mercury to silver to lithium. These are all very well sought after materials and commodities. Each one of these different types of batteries have different characteristics in the cell and also different applications that we use. Now we're hearing about these lithium batteries where they definitely have a wide range of application and a high energy and good for performance. So, you know, it just really kind of depends on what you're trying to charge. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like um, electric vehicle batteries are made of lithium, nickel, manganese, and cobalt. Yeah, and the small lithium batteries are made of graphite and cobalt oxide. So you're exactly right that There are so many different types of metals in batteries and they're valuable and they're dangerous for the environment. So all the more reason to recycle them for those two reasons. I have another reason we should really value our batteries. It comes from the production aspect of batteries. And I'm specifically going to talk about cobalt. So cobalt, like I mentioned, is used in electric vehicles, and it's also in your laptop batteries. It's also in your smartphone batteries. There's about like a two to four pennies worth of weight of cobalt in your cell phone right now. The Washington Post did a deep dive into the conditions of cobalt mining, specifically in the Dominican Republic of Congo, where 60% of you know, cobalt in the world is mined. This is one of the things that it's really easy to close our eyes to as consumers, but it's also difficult to hear. So cobalt mining is really atrocious. People who are going into these mines in the Dominican Republic of Congo don't have proper PPE. We talked about that in one of our episodes. They don't have personal protective equipment. A lot of them aren't wearing shoes. The mines collapse and there are reports of child labor in these mines. There are mining deaths and also pollution. The things that go into batteries in our modern technology, where they're coming from, in the perspective of human rights, is really, really bad. It's not the consumer's fault, but it is our responsibility to be as informed as possible. It is the consumer's responsibility, and this is something that part of why we are doing this is to educate people, is that when you have material, whether you may not deem cobalt super valuable to you, but if it costs a human life, it is invaluable. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So that effort to bring to us as consumers, there was life. There was a lot of energy that was spent 
to get that, to gather it, to then create it and then put it in your phone or put it in a battery so we can have the luxuries that we have. This material is a luxury. So period, because there's some places that don't have access to these materials. And we always are trying to keep people on that mindset as well is that, you know, there's a reason why we want to capture this material and process it correctly is because of what takes place to get this to you. And we want to enlighten you. We don't want to depress you. We're not trying to give you the doom and gloom. Okay. But the reality is the reality. And you know, that it's just where we're at now. Yeah, exactly. And if there is, God, it's like, if there's any reason to appreciate what we have and also to take those materials and give them another life, you know, it's, it is the least we can do as consumers where we mostly have like the blindfold over our eyes about where things come from. Yeah. It's the least we can do to do the proper thing at the end of its life in our hands. Right. And like I said, we don't want to depress people and we don't want to like, yeah, but we do want to inform everyone, especially because information will open our eyes and then maybe we can demand better conditions. Right. Like the first step is information. Yes. Should we move on to light bulbs, LEDs? I'll tell you something interesting just to like transition us. So LED stands for light emitting diode, right? And I was like, okay, whatever. Okay, basically an LED functions the same way that a solar panel does, but reverse. So a solar panel takes photons, takes light and converts it into electricity. And LEDs take electricity and directly convert it into light. Ooh, that's cool. Isn't it cool? So incandescent light bulbs, which we used before LEDs, convert electrical energy into heat through that little filament. And that's how it created light. But LEDs directly take electricity and make it into light. In the reverse way, a solar panel does the same thing. Isn't that cool? Yes, it's awesome. I've recycled so many incandescent light bulbs and fluorescent light bulbs in my lifetime. And those are rough because they have mercury in them, right? Yeah. And there's this fallacy that, you know, one light bulb is going to like expose you to this real crazy amount of mercury. And, you know, many of us have broken a light bulb in our past and, you know, had to sweep it up. It's only when you get eight or nine of them and you break them all at the same time and you got, you're breathing in all this mercury dust that it becomes kind of toxic. Got it. The cool, I've been to a mercury incandescent and fluorescent light bulb recycling facility. It was so cool. So we we came in, we had to wear hat PPE, of course. And so the lamps are sent to the recycling facility. And so there's this machine that's kind of like where they're breaking the bulbs. And it goes through this process where... The air system kind of starts to suck the powder that's in these light bulbs. And then the glass and the aluminum is separated during this recycling process. And then the mercury is isolated because they want to then repurpose the mercury for use of other things. And then the mercury is extracted. Um, Then the elements that are left behind are the glass, the broken glass, and the caps of the light bulbs which typically are aluminum 
the caps are then, you know, melted and reused and other things. So they're processed and recycled. And it was super cool to see in real life because, you know, the people there, it's probably a grind. But for me, it was just this eye-opening thing that something that as industry people, we are like, this really did get recycled. This really did, you know, this really can be processed. And yeah, no, it's super cool. So what do consumers do with their LEDs or their incandescent light bulbs, any light bulbs at all? What, what do consumers do? So the first thing is please do not put it in the compost. Please do not put it in your, in your recycling or in your landfill. Okay. It is a defense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not just to us personally. It is but an offense to, to mother planet, earth. <laughs> to, to mama earth. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, is please, please collect it in a safe place that won't, where it won't get broken and that you feel comfortable and you could either keep a small little shipping box or, you know, a pail that you can put a lid on and just put, you know, old light bulbs. And then what you do is, is, is when you get enough that it's bothering you, <laughs> um, take it to Target, take it to Home Depot, take it to Lowe's. Now, if you have a lot or, or maybe you're a business um, you can call Smart Waste and we can help you. That's right. And we have partners with plenty of recyclers that will process your material. We can have a collection container mailed to your home with the pre-shipping label on it. And it could be sent off to the manufacturer. Is that with TerraCycle? One of the vendors is TerraCycle. There's other companies out there that can do the same thing. And then you can go online and print yourself a certificate of recycling because you did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we'll even send you an electronic copy. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. So I wanted to talk about how cool LEDs are. First of all, oh, okay. Here's an important point about LEDs. They might not have the mercury in them that incandescent light bulbs do, but they do have circuit board components and other materials that the U.S. EPA does designate as universal waste. And they have metals such as copper. So copper would be an example of that. So even though they don't have the mercury, LEDs are still need to be considered or handled in the same way that incandescent bulbs are. Yes. I like to separate the LED lamps from the incandescent lamps just because we don't want to commingle the materials. Yeah. But for a, you know, resident, you may not have that many as we may in a relighting project that, you know, they're converting from incandescent lamps or fluorescent lamps to LED and we're getting, you know, pallets and pallets of these things. So, yeah. Yep. I did read a study about LEDs versus incandescent light bulbs. And just for people's interest, if you're curious about the environmental impact of, of light bulbs, the biggest impact is actually the energy in use. So when we're talking about carbon emissions through the life cycle of the light bulb from manufacture to use to end of life, it is your energy that is the biggest carbon footprint of that light bulb's lifetime. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it is interesting. And I could, I could tell you that on my uh, bill right now, since the fluorescent light bulb in my garage doesn't work, it's been cheaper because it, my light in my garage doesn't work. 
yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, that's one way to do it. I'm actually sitting in the dark right now. Yeah. Personally. So it's the energy in use that is the biggest impact of that. But LEDs have the lowest environmental impact in terms of how long they last. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you with the whole, with all these materials, we want to just remind everybody, please just be mindful. That's all we want. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And and there are places for you to take these things at the end of life. So have a separate area for your batteries, have a separate area for your light bulbs, and then just make a trip one day to Target or Home Depot and, and drop those off. Okay. Should we move on to paint? Yes. So first of all, Sarah, tell me the difference between the category of waste that is batteries and lights versus paint. Paint is considered hazardous waste, not universal waste. So hazardous waste, this is a very toxic substance. And we have acrylic or an oil-based type of paint typically that used in the residential building or commercial buildings. And if we had this type of paint that got in our water table, it would not be really good for our water table or for us to even consume. Yeah. Imagine drinking paint, (laughs) you know, like don't do it. You don't even want to think about it. Remember where I think it was like in the eighties and nineties where paint also had lead base in it. Yeah. And so there's still a little bit of that material in the paint. It's true. So it is considered toxic. Thank God Kelly Moore and these paint stores allow you to bring these paints back up to five gallons a day. Yeah, yeah. Sherman Williams has the same thing. Okay, so that's hazardous waste. Universal waste. I mean, we listed some, a lot of metals and things that I would consider hazardous. So like, just tell me more about universal waste. The thing about universal waste is that it is regulated. And so it by itself, like the batteries by itself in a non-combusted collection is not going to do anything. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. In and of itself is innocuous, but the government realizes that we need to have some sort of waste stream to collect this. And it could be hazardous if broken or in the wrong environment. Just like how we mentioned it being thrown in the, the mixed recycling bin, it can cause combustion. I see. I see. But hazardous waste in and of itself is hazardous. Like you wouldn't want to drink paint for instance. No. (laughs) Okay. I think I understand. So the thing about paint too is, is that any paint recycler is going to ask you, is it latex or is it oil base? How many do you have? Do not mix them. No, no, don't mix them. Yeah. I, in research for this, I looked up a lot of like paint recycling processes and yeah, you're setting them up for failure by mixing them. In fact, oil-based paint can go back into being a fuel and water-based or latex paint can be paint again. So you don't want to mix them because they actually have two separate streams in recycling. So as you mentioned, paint used to, and maybe still does a little bit, have lead in it, mercury, and VOCs, volatile organic compounds. So that's Those are the things that come off of paint and furniture too. (laughs) That is like these organic chemicals that just, they're called volatile because they, they want to go into the air. So they evaporate off of the, the thing or the material and they're in the air. And there is an allowable level of VOCs in 
kind of everything. And again, this is like the same thing as the cobalt thing. I don't want to freak people out, but I feel like people should know that your furniture and your things and your paint on your walls do have these chemicals that are coming off of them into the air. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. And so, so I guess the good thing about this is that there are VOC free paints and there is a certification program for other things to see if they have VOCs. So can I tell you a little bit about some VOC free paints? Yes. Okay, so here's the list that I found. There's Ecos Paint, AFM, Safe Coat, Claire Paint, Sherman Williams Harmony. What I like about that is that Sherman Williams already has a ton of different colors, but also Sherman Williams, I don't know if you know this, they charge you up front and you can bring back paint. So that Sherman Williams has a paint recycling program. And I think you mentioned Kelly Moore also does. My favorite VOC free paint was the Real Milk Paint Co. And it is actually made of milk. <laughs> what? Yeah. So it includes powdered purified casein, which is like that protein in milk. And that's what they use as like their base, I guess, which is pretty cool. This, this reminds me of our first episode, like the poop paper. You know, it's like milk paint, poop paper, you know, whatever. And then there's graphene stone paint, which is vegan. So I think something else people don't know is that paint can be not vegan. When I worked for BASF, I actually went to the pigments factory. So, and we call it the glitter factory because you go in and there's just like glitter and powder and paint. And yeah, you come away looking like you just ran through like, you know, holy festival. In <laughs> and a lot of pigments, not all of them, but some pigments can be made out of, for instance, a lot of red pigment is actually crushed up like beetles. <laughs> so pigments can be chemically made or like naturally made, but they cannot also be like made out of bugs and different things like that so having vegan paint guarantees that it's not no, any sort of animal or yeah no beetles were killed no beetles will ki- that should be the name of this podcast no <laughs> beetles were killed during this recording <laughs> <laughs> that's right and we're saving beetles by telling you about it so the voc certification program is called the ul green guard certification program if anybody wants to look it up Let's go back to what you do with paint when you're done with it. Where where should people take the paint, if not Sherman Williams? I think in a lot of counties, once again, the infrastructure, at least here in Santa Clara County, um, there is this household hazardous waste program. Paint lies under that, as well as other pesticides and chemicals that may be in oils that you may use at home. Um, I know we didn't talk about these items, but maybe listeners are curious. Oh, I, I work on my cars. What do I do with all this spent oil? I have spray cans. What do I do with that? You know, spray yeah, yeah. spray paint. The same thing is that you could take these things to your household hazardous waste. You can go online to Santa Clara County. And, and I would look to see in any county that you live in if they have a household hazardous waste program. Typically, you have to schedule an appointment. And it's usually on the weekend, so and they may have some weekday appointments, but you schedule the appointment, you take it, and you drop it off, and that's as simple as that. You just have to show proof that you're a resident in that area. If you're in a county that, once again, that does not have this infrastructure, this goes back to affordability and access. The thing about recycling is that you have to have the money to do it in order to do it. Okay, because once again, it is a process and it does cost money. 
It absolutely, yes, it absolutely does. I had a client that we took, I mean, years of paint out of their garage, which was great, and pesticides and that kind of thing. We took it to Household Hazardous Waste, the local one, and you pay a down payment to get that recycled, but also you're doing the right thing for the environment. You're contributing directly to that industry, both with capital, but also with resources and product. So it's worth doing. It's worth doing it, even if it's it costs a little money. I'll, I'll tell you what will happen if you don't do it right. Yeah, Just I'm going to speak, I'm gonna yeah, speak very please. candidly. If you decide to be this guy or this company or this lady that decides that, you, and let's just say you are a contractor or you're somebody that is in business and you do not handle this space appropriately and you get caught, you can lose your business license and you could be fine and you could even go to jail. So as far as I'm concerned, it's like it is worthy. It is. It may seem so petty to some people like, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to get mad over me throwing paint in the in the creek. Well, you better believe it because those now those salamanders, now those birds, now those beetles, all these, you know, ducks and all these things now are going to be contaminated and, and maybe potentially, you know, harmed because some person deemed their value system more important than the creek's ecosystem. Oh, that's, that is it. That's the highlight of everything that we talk about is that we are prioritizing our convenience over literally the planet we live on. It vexes my soul. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. I completely agree. And you just are able to give words to it. That's, 100% 100% it. I mean, so the major, I think the major takeaway of all the materials that we talked about today are please do not put them in your regular waste stream. Please collect them in a central place in your home, in a safe, cool place, maybe in your garage, and collect them. Make sure you tape your conductive exposed metal batteries. <laughs> and don't lick them. <laughs> <laughs> and back to the paint. I mean, if you purchase paint at these stores that we mentioned, even if you didn't purchase these paints that you have, you could still take them to these two places, uh, Sherman Williams and Kelly Moore, and they will still take them. Oh, nice. I have another resource for listeners. It's called paintcare.org, and you can put in your zip code and you can find a place to recycle your paint. For the people out there who are like, oh, well, I can just let the paint dry up and put it in the landfill. I think in some areas, technically, yes, you can do this. But, but I found a scientific study research that was conducted on the environmental impacts of dried up paint in a landfill versus recycling it. And I will quote that study. It says paint recycling is therefore not only economically wise, but also ecologically sustainable. So they found that recycling paint is actually better in all ways versus letting it dry up and putting it in the landfill for the environment and also for the economy because you're putting those resources back into the stream. So I would personally really encourage you to try to recycle your paint versus letting it dry up and throwing it away. Yeah, and and, and please don't feel like you have to do them all separately, meaning that, you know, if you are able to capitalize on your time, do it once a month or once a quarter. Please don't do it every week and feel like you got to go do this every week and spend spend your omissions driving your car. If it's close enough, put it in your bike and in a trailer and ride your bike over there. I'm so glad you you brought up the whole drying the paint situation 
because there are countless times that I've talked to facilities engineers and they're like, oh, well, we're just going to open up the can and let them dry out. And my response is like, hard no, you are. <laughs> hard <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing is that if you let it dry out, it can't be recycled. It, like they can't, there's nothing you can do. Like you are forever dooming that material to never have another life again. <laughs> well, some of the things that they, you know, some of the things that I've even observed after the fact is they, you know, they would get cardboard and throw the paint out on the cardboard and let it dry that way where, you know, we could have recycled that cardboard. Now it's totally contaminated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I feel like we maybe have left listeners maybe a little overwhelmed, maybe a little depressed, maybe like feeling (laughs) maybe we should inject a little bit of hope here at the end (laughs) and a little bit of encouragement. I would say my encouragement is thank you for listening to this and being more informed because that is absolutely the first step to doing good by the planet, doing good by your community and the future in future generations. So Although some of this stuff is hard to hear, this is the first step. And now you are armed with the knowledge of how to do it right. Yeah, I think consumer responsibility, I think it's a fallacy that we just get to just buy whatever we want and not be responsible for what we buy. So I know that like at the end of the day, like we want our listeners to feel good about what they're doing. But at the same time, I want to challenge listeners to think about what they're purchasing and the things that they are buying. And even if it costs a little bit more money, long term, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to give you a safer environment for you and your family. So I think about things like that when I'm buying things, because I mean, I take care of somebody who's special needs. So on top of that, I have to, to consider how can this affect somebody that has a different learning ability? How does this affect somebody that if these chemicals were out in the air, what if it triggered him somehow, some way? That No, that is so, it's so true. And I also, as I was walking Ginger this morning, I was thinking about this, which is like when things are cheap, it's because we are sacrificing something else. Yeah, I think that there's a level of truth to that. We'll bring it back to the cobalt mining, okay? Where there is no dollar amount that we can put on a human life, period. I don't care if we're getting water. I don't care if we're getting diamonds. I don't care if we're getting copper. Our human life is worth more than all of this material, period. So we need to put value as we are going out to source it. And this is one of the reasons why companies do get ISO certified is because they want to know how things are sourced. They want to know that their vendors and that the companies that they're working with are doing it right. And if they're not, guess what? They're not going to do business with them anymore. So for me, I only want to do business with people and companies that are going to do right by a human life. That's one of their core principles at SmartWeights, which is people, people. Absolutely. That's where it all comes back to. That's where it all comes back to. And I'm going to quote a politician from the Dominican Republic of Congo, Richard Muenji. Companies have an obligation to create wealth and prosperity in the area where they operate. And that includes people. So We'll end it here. Thank you so much, Sarah. We always take the everyday things and put it into the bigger perspective of the planet for our listeners. And I so appreciate you. So keep it trashy. Keep it classy, everyone. (laughs) Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Thanks for joining us today. 
Have any questions or comments for us? Have a question about what the hell to do with something? Join our community in our Facebook group, What the Hell Do I Do With This? Community. If you're a business that wants to save money and reduce trash, Smart Waste USA connects businesses and citizens to smarter waste solutions. Go to smartwasteusa.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Magden Geip, and Danny Finkelstein and Harley Stewart at Fight Night Records for our intro music. See you next time.